Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. Here's Pastor Robert Manessis. I don't know about you, but um, there have been moments in my life where I've actually asked God questions. And these questions usually start with these words. Why? (laughs) How come? And when? Those are usually how the questions begin to God. How come? Why? And when? But today we're going to see that instead of us looking at a passage where God's people are asking God questions, God asks us a question. And it's found in the book of Luke, chapter 18. And let's see the question that God has for His people. A question that is drenched in concern. And in Luke, chapter 18, again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 18, let's see the question that God has for us. At home, I invite you to turn, uh, take out your Bibles. Please take those Bibles out. Study with us. And in Luke chapter 18, and it's found in verse 8. And let's take a look at that first. Let's look at that uh, question first, and then we'll then get the context of what that question or why it's even there. So, therefore, we're in Luke chapter 18, and we're beginning in verse 8, and the Bible says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, who's the Son of Man? It's Jesus. When the Son of Man comes, look at His question. When the Son of Man comes, the question that He has for us is this, will He, will He, Jesus, God, will He really find, what's the word that you have in your Bible? Yeah, will He really find faith on this earth? Now, that's a prominent question there. Christ says that when He returns in the clouds, in all His glory, will He find faith on the earth? That's His question to us. Well, let's go to verse 1, and let's begin to unpack why Christ and what are the context of this question. Let's go back to chapter 18, and we're in verse 1. Let's begin to unpack why Christ would ask this question here. So, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, what Jesus says, He says this, Then He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to, what's the word that you have? Yeah, that men always ought to pray, and then my version says, not lose heart, okay? Look what Jesus says, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, what does lose heart mean? What does it mean to lose heart? Yeah, it means to get discouraged, it means to give up. So look what Christ is saying here, that we always ought to pray, don't stop praying, don't stop praying, pray and don't get discouraged. That's the opening here before he launches into this parable and before he asks us this question. Again, he says this, that men, women, men means in general there, God's people ought to always pray and not get discouraged and lose heart. Don't stop praying. Are you with me? Now we keep going. And now this parable is brought to us beginning in verse 2. There was a certain city 
a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Verse 3, now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. Verse 4, and he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man. Verse 5, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Let's get the story here. We had a widow. Now, a widow in the time of Jesus was a woman that had completely lost everything. She had nothing. A widow in those days was completely helpless and had no, no, no rights, nothing. And she comes to this judge here, this unjust judge. And the Bible says that he gets sick and tired of her always coming to him. I think she was persevering. Can you say amen? She was persevering, and she never stopped coming to this man, this unjust judge, to be delivered from her situation. Don't miss it here, the parable here. Christ starts this parable that men always ought to pray and don't give up. Don't ever stop praying. Don't ever stop praying. Don't get discouraged. And then he gets into a parable that talks about a woman, widow, who was completely helpless and hopeless, and she did not stop coming to this judge. She was persistent. Are you with me? And now Christ applies it now to His people. Hang with me. Look at now at verse 7 and 8. So this widow did not get discouraged. She continued coming to this unjust judge. Verse 7, And shall God not avenge His own elect? who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them, though there might seem a delay, God says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on this earth? Now, what is faith? Now, let me tell you what it's not. Faith is not a feeling. Okay, Faith is not just based on feelings. The Bible does not say that man shall live by feelings. Though we are accustomed to living by feelings, many of us have been accustomed and learned that our Christian experience is a complete roller coaster because our Christian experience is based completely on feelings and how I'm feeling. Well, that's dangerous because guess what? Sometimes I might feel happy and sometimes I might feel sad. Anybody else? And sometimes I might feel this and I might feel that. So if our Christian experience is based on nothing but feelings, we're going to be up here, we're going to be down here, and we're going to be all over the place. So faith is not just feelings. There's a deeper sense here. Now look at the screen. Now the Greek word here for faith means this. The word faith here is translated from the Greek word. Anybody at home want to try to say this Greek word or anybody here? Pistis, okay? doesn't matter how you pronounce it. Let's, mean, let's go see what it means. The Greek word here, will God really find faith when He returns, means this. To trust in to have confidence in. Look at the question of Jesus. When He returns, will He find a people 
who truly trust in him? Will he find a people who truly have confidence and trust in him? Okay? Let's unpack more biblical faith. So, here we see that God is saying to his people, now think, listen. Why would God, why would God start the parable this way? That Why would he say that don't ever give up praying and don't get discouraged and, uh, again, don't start praying? Why would he say this? Why would he then say, why would he anticipate a people who would pray, 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 and then begin to get discouraged? Why would he anticipate this? Why? Because let me tell you why. Because there might have been moments in your life and in my life where we pray, 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 and we feel that God is not listening. Anybody else? He's anticipating that there are going to be moments in your life where you're going to be praying and praying and praying, and you get discouraged because you are beginning to feel that either maybe God's not listening, or He doesn't care, or He's just not rescuing you enough fast enough, and there's a tendency for us to get discouraged, to give up, and stop what? Praying. People pray. The Lord is not up there. He's not hearing me. I'm praying for a job, and I'm not getting one. I'm praying for healing, and I'm not getting healed. I'm praying for financial help, and I'm not getting that help. But Christ implores us to never give up. Some people believe that since God is not answering their prayer the way that they want Him to answer it, they lose faith in God and feel that since things are not getting better, it must be because either they lack faith or God's not hearing me. You see, people begin to say, oh, maybe my faith is not strong enough or big enough, and if, it was, if I had more faith, then maybe God would answer this, this prayer here. But let me tell you something. We're going to see that faith, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Just stay with me. First, first things first. Know this, that God is hearing you, that God is hearing your prayers. Can you say amen? Go to verse 7. Look at this, chapter 18, verse 7 of Luke. First know this, that God is hearing your prayers. Verse 7 says, And shall God not, God not avenge his own elect who cry out to, day and night to him? Is God not hearing their prayers? Yes or no? He is because it says that he knows that they cry out to me day and night. Can you say amen? Be encouraged that when you come to Jesus and you're praying and you're praying, God is listening. God is what? God is listening. Look at this amazing quote here in the book Christ Object Lessons, page 174. Look at this. Let all who are afflicted or unjustly used, what are these three words here? Cry to God. Turn away from those whose hearts are as steel and make your request known to your maker. Now look what she says. Never is one repulsed who comes to him with a contrite heart. Isn't that awesome? She continues. Not one sincere prayer is lost 
Amid the anthems of the celestial choir, God hears the cries of the weakest human being. Hallelujah. First things first, do not stop praying. Do not think that God isn't hearing your prayer. He's hearing that prayer. Can you say amen? She continues. We pour out our heart's desire in our closets. We breathe a prayer as we walk by the way, and our words reach the throne of the monarch of the universe. They might be inaudible to any human ear, but they cannot die away into silence, nor can they be lost to the activities of business that are going on. Nothing, nothing can drown the soul's desire. It rises above the din of the street, above the confusion of the multitude, to the heavenly courts. It is God to whom we are speaking, and our prayer is heard. You should have said amen at home. So first things first, God hears our prayers. Continue praying to him. Don't get discouraged. Don't let Satan bring that doubt to your mind that, oh, maybe God's not hearing me. If you've come to him with all your heart, know this, that God is hearing those prayers. Keep on praying. Secondly, God wants us to be persistent in our prayers. He wants us to be what? Persistent. Now, did you know that we're going to get to why God, why God would do this? I mean, why, why would he either um, delay his answering or whatever it might be? We're going to see that sometimes God needs to help us learn things. Can you say amen? How do you get to, somebody to learn something? You have to lead them through situations, and those situations will help us learn, look at this, as we trust in God. Don't forget the question, when he returns, will he really find a people who truly are trusting in me? And then he says, don't stop praying, don't get discouraged, I am hearing you. Are you with me so far at least, okay? Now, number two is he wants us to be persistent and not give up. Look at this quote here, Christ Object Lessons, look at this one. There is no danger, look at this, there is no danger that the Lord will neglect the prayers of his people. That's not the danger. The danger we saw is that God, that God is not going to hear our prayers. Can you say amen? Now, here's the danger. The danger is that in temptation and trial, they, who's they? God's people. That they will become discouraged and fail to persevere in prayer. That's the danger. The danger is that it's not that God is not listening, that God doesn't care. The danger is, is that when we come into trials and temptations, when we begin to uh, feel the, the heat as they say, we, the danger is, is that we begin, what do we, what do we see here, to stop persevering in prayer. It's because, again, God needs to teach us some things. God needs to teach us to trust in him, and he does this by life circumstances. He says, hey, hey, I'm hearing you. Don't stop praying. I need to teach you to trust in me. I need to teach you to trust in me. Now, here's the thing. If you can't trust God now, what are you going to do when the Bible tells us that there's going to be a great time of trouble? What are you going to do then? 
that I haven't learned to trust God. I haven't learned to trust God. And then when these moments come, oh, now I'm going to trust God. That's not going to happen. So God, out of his mercy, God, out of his love for us, is teaching us to trust in him through life circumstances. He says, hey, I'm hearing you, and don't stop praying. I'm there for you, but I need to teach you to what? Trust in me. Are you with me so far? The danger is not that God doesn't care about our situation. The danger is found in the lack of trusting in God. That's the danger. Because we all put our trust in something. Did you know that? Look what the Bible says here. It's on the screen. Psalm 20, verse 7. Look what it says. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You see, we all trust in something, whether you like it or not. We all trust in something. Let me, let me paraphrase that to the 21st century. Some trust in their bank accounts, and some trust in their, their, their vehicles, and some trust in their homes. Some trust in many things. Some trust in their health. They tr- so we all trust in something, but God says, I don't want you to trust in anything else but me. Amen. So as we, as we hold on to these other things and we say, oh, Lord, I mean, I trust on, on what I see in my bank account, and I trust in what I see health-wise, and I, I trust in this, and God says, oh, no, no, you see, the reality is, is that your money can go away, and your health can go away, and your home can go away, but you have to learn to trust me. Are you with me? Because God never goes away. So here's the thing. Please listen. So Jesus says, will he really find a people who trust me when it looks like I'm delaying my justice or answering their prayers? Or will they keep praying, persevering, trusting in me, though going through tough times? That's his question. Jesus relates this discouragement with lack of faith or at least lack of or understanding what true biblical faith is. We're going to get to that again. Again, listen, if you are praying and praying and praying and begin to feel like nothing's happening, what it is 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 that many of us don't really understand what true faith is, and God wants us to learn what that is. We're going to see that today in part one. But God, again, says, don't give up. Keep persevering. I'm listening. Now, look, people want to ask me all the time, why should I trust God then? Right? I mean, God is asking us to trust in him, right? I mean, trust in me, trust in me, not in regards to feelings, not what you see, not your circumstances, just trust in me. Don't stop praying. The question that we have is, why trust God? Why, why should we trust him? Here's number one. Up on the screen, Hebrews 11 1 says this. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this. It's on the screen. Now faith is confidence in which we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Here's number one. You can't see what God sees. Why should I trust in God? Number one, you can't see what he sees. Amen. We can't even know what's going to happen in the next two minutes, really. You can't see what God sees. Therefore, God says, trust in me. Are you with me? Number two, go to the book of Isaiah chapter 46 if you have your Bibles. If you're at home, turn with us there. Isaiah chapter 46. So number one is, why should I trust God? Well, first off, you can't see what he sees. Number two, Isaiah chapter 46. 
Isaiah chapter 46 and look at verse 9 and 10. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. Isaiah chapter 46, 9 and 10. God says here in Isaiah 46, verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. What is God saying here? I am God and I know the future. You don't. I am God, I can declare the end from the beginning, and guess what? He's proven himself to know the future. Just look at Bible prophecy. Can you say amen? And here God says, trust in me. Why, Lord? Why should we trust you? First of all, I can see what you can't see, and number two, I know the future. You don't. I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life where I was confused and disheartened on how things turned out at the moment, but later on in life, looking back, I thank God things went that way. Anybody else? And what was God trying to do there? He was trying to help me to trust in Him. Are you with me so far? Number three, why should I trust God? The Bible says here, it's on the screen, Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord. I do not change. You see, it's hard to trust people because people change. Can you say amen? You see, it's, it's fine. It's hard to trust people because people change. But God says, you can trust in me. I don't change. I know what you can't see. I know the future you don't. And guess what? Though people might change, I'll never change. Are you with me? Now, look at this. Then the Bible says this, it's on the screen, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, I am the Lord, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you, I don't change, I love you more than my life itself, God says, why should you trust me? Because I love you more than anything in the world, and that's something you can put your trust in. I've loved you with an everlasting love. What does everlasting mean? Always. That God had a plan to save mankind before they even sinned. That God sent everything he had, which was himself, to save you. That's what love is. Can you say amen? You can't give more than everything you have, which is yourself. And God came in the flesh. Why should I trust you, God, though things are happening in my life? And why should I trust you, Lord, when I, when I don't understand and why, when, and how come? And God says, well, man, when I come back to the earth, am I going to truly find a people who truly trust in me? And we ask, Lord, I mean, what do you mean by that? First of all, he says, don't stop praying. I am listening. And secondly, I want to teach you to learn to trust in me. Well, Lord, why should I trust in you? First of all, I see what you can't see. Number two, I know the future. You don't. And here's another number three. I love you more than my life. You can trust me. I have your best interest in mind. Can you say amen? We're almost there. Go to the book of John chapter 6. Just a few more. Why should I trust God? John chapter 6. As we're turning there, some of you might know or might not know that my current wife's name is Elida. Now, you can call her Elida, but her name is Elida, and it's okay, you know. The, as they say 
when you don't have the, the tongue, sometimes it's hard to say the Hispanic-type names. It's all right. We all understand what we have to say. You know, that's not my point. <laughs> my point is this. There was years ago when I was coming back to God, and I got rebaptized. And I was in my mid-20s, and I thought that it was time for God to bring me a wife. I said, Lord, it's time. I'm coming back to you. I got rebaptized. I, I'm tired of being single. And there was this young lady who came to the church where I was in Tampa, and I said, she's the one. God brought her to this church just for me because she was single. She was about my age, and we connected. We had, like, a lot of things in common, and I said to God, Lord, I am so thankful that God brought her to me. Now, here's the thing. Her name wasn't Elida. (laughs) What am am I saying then? That things didn't work out as I thought they were going to work out. (laughs) What happened is, is that eventually when I opened my heart to her, now, she didn't say it this way, but this is how I heard it. Get lost, no way. She didn't say it like that, but that's what I heard, okay? (laughs) And long story short, it was one of the most devastating moments in my life where I got angry at God because all of my other friends were sort of with somebody, and I was always the one without somebody, and here was the one that I thought was right there for me, and guess what? Looking back today, I am so thankful, so humbled that God did not let that work out because I wouldn't have been married to my wife today and the two kids we have today, but at the time, I was devastated, but God says, you can't see what I see. God says, I know the future, you don't. I love you more than anything. I have your best interest in mind. We're in John chapter 6. Look at this here. John chapter 6, we're almost done. Why should we trust in God? And then we'll get into true biblical faith and we'll be done today. John chapter 6, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Why else should God be trusted? Now, my wife's at home probably listening to this live stream. We'll see what happens when I get home after that story. John chapter 6, verse 40. John 6, verse 40. And the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 40, and Jesus says, and this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father, that everyone, that who? That everyone who sees the Son of, and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Hallelujah. This is God's will for your life, is to see you in eternity. Trust in him. God wants to see you in everlasting life. There is no greater will for you. This is the big umbrella of every other small will. I was talking to some youth just a few uh, days ago, and they want to ask, what is God's will for me? What is God's will for me? I told them this. I say, well, the big umbrella, the umbrella that every other small will fits under is this, that God wants to see you in eternity. Therefore, when you're praying for a spouse and God says no to this one and yes to this one, it's because he he knows that if you go with this one, it might lead you away from eternity, but this one here might lead you to eternity. Can you say amen? 
Or if you're looking for a job and God says, no, I don't want this one for you. Why? Because on this one, you might not be able to get the Sabbath off, and I want you to honor my Sabbath. And you you guys say, go, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and God will open up another one which will be better for you and then better for your Christian experience and lead you to everlasting life. Can you say amen? And one more here. Why should I trust God? Go to John chapter 15, verse 13. God's question was, when I return, will I truly find a people who trust in me? Will I find a people who truly trust in me? And he says, don't ever give up praying. I'm hearing you. Just trust me. What is God saying? Just trust me. We're in John 15. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, John 13, verse 13, the Bible says, and Jesus says, You call me, wait a minute, 15, sorry, 15 verse 13. The Bible says this, 15 verse 13 in the book of John, it says, No longer do do I call you servants, for for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father, I have been been made known to you. You see, it's hard to trust somebody that you don't know. Isn't that true? Isn't it mind-boggling that the king of the universe calls us friends? And a good friend you put your trust in, can you say amen? It's hard to trust in somebody, friends, that you have, don't even know who they are. But the more you get to know who God is and the true motives beyond God's actions, you begin to say, I can trust God. Trust in me, God says. All right. Let's wrap it up here. Take a look at this. On the screen. Therefore, lack of faith comes from lack of trusting or having confidence in God. We don't trust God's wisdom and love enough. Are you with me? A lack of faith comes from a lack of truly trusting in God and His wisdom and character. God's not asking you to understand. There are many things in this life that we don't understand. What God is asking us is this, trust in me. And Lord, why should I trust you? You can't see what I see. I know the future. You don't know the future. I love you more than anything. And you're my friends. Now, in the book, Education, it says, faith is trusting God believing that He loves us and knows best what is for our good. That's true faith. Faith is trusting God, believing that He loves us and knows best what is for our our good. So here's my last question as we wrap up. Does true faith mean that your troubles go away? There's a a prosperity faith out there that they say, well, if you just have enough faith, all your troubles will go away. All your financial troubles will go away. That's not true biblical faith. True biblical faith is this. Last verses of the, of the sermon, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's see what true biblical faith is. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Does having true faith mean that all your troubles will go away? Well, let us now see what true faith looks like in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. 
And look what the Bible teaches us here. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read a few verses. Look at this. Verses 4 and 5 are first. Hebrews 11 verse 4, it says, By faith, by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Abel offered up the true sacrifices, and what happened to Abel? He died. Who killed him? His brother Cain. Look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. Look at this. By faith, Abel died, but by faith, Enoch lived and never saw death. Stay with me. Look at this one. Go to verses 7 and 8. Look at this, 7 and 8. Just stay with me. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became their uh, heir of the righteousness of which according to faith. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Don't miss it. By faith Abel died, but by faith Enoch lived. By faith Noah stayed and built an ark. By faith Abraham left and went somewhere that he never knew where he was going. Are you with me? Just stay with me. I'll get to the punchline in a minute. Go to verse 11. Verse 11. These are opposites. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive a seed, and of course she bore Isaac, and she bore a child whose name was Isaac when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Go to verse 17. So by faith, Sarah bore Isaac. Now look at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Don't miss it. By faith, Abel stayed. Uh, Abel died, but by faith, Enoch lived. By faith, um, Noah stayed, but by faith, Abraham left. By faith, uh, Sarah bore Isaac, but by faith, Isaac was, quote-unquote, offered up by Abraham. Just stay with me. Now go to verse 22. Look at this, verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Um, by faith, Joseph was sent in Egypt. And let me ask you a question. Was Joseph poor in Egypt or was he rich? He was rich. By faith, Joseph was led into Egypt and became rich. Look at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with, people of, with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward, and by faith he forsook took Egypt. Look at that. By faith, Joseph was led into Egypt and became rich. By faith, Moses was led out of Egypt and became poor. Uh, don't you see this? We're, we're almost done here. By faith, Abel died. By faith, 
um, um, Eno- uh, by faith Abel died, by faith Enoch lived, by faith Noah stayed and built an ark, by faith Abraham left and went to where he didn't know where he was going. By faith, Sarah begot Isaac, and by faith, Abraham um, uh, took Isaac to be, to be sacrificed. By faith, uh, Joseph was led into Egypt and became rich, and by faith, Moses was taken out of Egypt and became poor. Verse now 32. Last verses here. Look at this. True biblical faith. And what more shall I say? Verse 32. For the time would tell me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Joseph and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. Mercy. Verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in, in sheepskins and goldskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Now listen to me very carefully. The Bible just said here that by faith, some of them escaped the edge of the sword, but yet by faith, some died by the sword. So here's my question. Who had more faith? Those who escaped death or those who died? They both had the same amount of faith. Because up on the screen, I'm about to share with you what true biblical faith is. Are you ready? Here it is. Faith doesn't always take you out of your troubles. Faith is having confidence or trusting in God in your troubles and during uncertainties. That's true biblical faith. I'm going to read it again. Faith doesn't always take you out of your troubles. Faith is having confidence or trusting in God in your troubles or during uncertainties. And that's what we see here in Hebrews chapter 11. Abel died, but Enoch lived, and therefore Noah stayed, but Abraham left, and therefore some were slain by the sword, but yes, some escaped the edge of the sword, and Sarah begot Isaac, but then Isaac was there, offered up by Abraham. Joseph went into Egypt and began rich, and therefore Moses left Egypt and became poor. Here it is again, that faith will always take you out of your troubles. Faith is having confidence in God, trusting in Him in your troubles and during uncertainties. Amen. That's true faith. Faith is not always going to cure you from cancer. But Christ says, don't stop praying. or find you a job, or make you rich, or make up with any of bad decisions you made, but faith is trusting in God that He knows best, and that He is your friend, and He wants the best for you. And though you cannot see everything, you know that in the end, the Lord wants to see you in heaven. Last few Spirit of Prophecy quotes from India from Africa, from China, from the islands of the sea, from the downtrodden millions of so-called Christians' lands, 
the cry of human woe is ascended to God. That cry will not long be answered, unanswered. God will cleanse the earth from its moral corruption, not by a sea of water as in Noah's day, but by a sea of fire that cannot be quenched by any human devising. Hang in there. God will make it right. Can you say amen? Last one, whatever crosses they have been called to bear, whatever losses they have sustained, whatever persecution they have suffered, even to the loss of their temporal life, the children of God are amply recompensed, and they shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. Amen. My friends, this concept of Oh, if I just have enough faith, I'll never fall into heartaches or I'll leave heartaches. That's not what the Bible is teaching. True faith is trusting in God. Can you say amen? Even during uncertainties. And God is trying to teach us things. He's trying to help us learn. He says, hey, don't, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Persevere. Persevere. Hang in there. And you ask, Lord, why should I hang in there and persevere in prayer? And God says, I see what you can't see, and I love you more than anything. I know the future. You don't. You, you don't. And he says, hey, I, I want to see you in eternity. Believe this, and I'm going to orchestrate things. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me, God says. And therefore, the question is asked, when Christ returns, will He really, truly find those who trust in Him, no matter what is happening? May God help us learn to trust in Him, amen? And maybe out there you are in a serious trial right now, or maybe you will in the near future, I don't know, but this I can tell you, trust in God. Hang in there. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop persevering. Come to Jesus. He hears you. Trust in Him. So today, my appeal to God's people there at home and for the handful here, That you're going to say, I don't, I don't want to walk by feeling. I don't want my Christian experience to be solely, solely based on my feelings and what I see. I want to learn to truly trust in God and to have confidence in Him. And though I might not understand everything, I trust in my Creator and my Redeemer who loves me more than His life. And I'm going to trust that He's going to work things out according to His will. And know that whatever happens, God wants to see me in eternity, and He's going to make that happen. Anybody want to say to Jesus today, Lord, I want to learn to trust in Jesus and not walk just by feeling, but to learn to trust in Him. Anybody? You can raise your hand at home if that's your desire or here. May God bless you. This podcast is a service of the University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. 
We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.